0: Impact of Influence, the tragic story of a powerful South Carolina family and the mysterious deaths they are linked to. Hello, I am Matt Harris and Seton Tucker with me, of course, thanks to the folks from Dick Wolf Productions and the Oxygen Network, Peacock, and all the folks who made us look pretty good. Okay, okay. Yeah. (laughs) And we, th- we really, really appreciate the great response we've had for the Oxygen special that is still airing. And we are always grateful and gracious and amazed about how far we have come. And you have made that possible by listening and sharing and rating. And we hope we'll do that again at the end of this podcast. And you were okay seeing yourself, see, and You didn't have a panic attack at any point?
1: It's uncomfortable. It's just different to put yourself out there and you hope that you're well-received and I do appreciate everyone who has put on our Facebook page how they liked it and it really means a lot to us that we put a lot of effort into this and it was great to get good feedback.
0: Yes, it is. It's because you don't know little behind-the-scenes thing. Where they shoot maybe 15 to 20 hours, 20 hours of us and you're never sure on a two-hour special how which parts are going to pick or what's going to happen. So we, we were we were pleased and uh, we thank you all you guys who, who did that uh right so let's get to alec murdoch's latest bond hearing it was supposed to be depending on when you're listening to this but it was supposed to be on a friday and they moved it to a monday and this time the hammer came down but first Tell me, Seton, why it was in front of this particular judge.
1: Well, it was a little bit unusual because Judge Newman had been ruled to be in charge of all things Murdoch, and he's the judge who heard the first two bond hearings. So this was definitely interesting that it was placed under Judge Allison Renee Lee, and the reason that they have said she was presiding is because she is the presiding judge of the state grand jury.
0: So that's why the switch was made, and— She really laid the hammer down. If you're wondering, all the charges, basically the summary is 12 indictments against Murdoch, stealing some 6.2 mil from clients and associates from October 2015 through 2020. And if you look at the potential penalties, 506 years in prison and about $3.5 in potential fines, I was thinking about this today. Could very well be a life sentence, considering he is fifty-five or fifty-six. If you get
1: if he's guilty, thirty years. Yeah, he's, you don't know. He, he might not be getting out.
0: And there's twelve different victims, forty-seven felony charges, one misdemeanor, fifteen counts of computer crimes, thirteen counts of breach of trust with fraudulent intent, 11 counts of money laundering, seven counts of obtaining signature or property by false pretense, two counts of forgery. Most of the victims, if you've heard in the other episodes, former clients, former associates. One was a good family friend, Gloria Housekeeper. They considered a member of the family because she'd worked for them for 20 plus years. There was a South Carolina Highway Patrol officer who was injured on the job and he's accused of taking 125 grand from him. Is there other notes we should have before we bring in Andrew?
1: Oh, well, one thing I think to mention is that Richter had a statement from the Satterfield family, and it says, As about Christians, the Satterfield family is guided by their belief that in order for them to be forgiven by their Heavenly Father, they must in turn forgive others who have sinned against them. And I thought that was very gracious of the Satterfield very family.
0: In fact, the Satterfield's attorneys— said they had four goals that they told the judge they wanted to accomplish. They wanted to learn what happened, which they did do, to get their money. They did do that. And to hold people accountable and get an apology from Murdoch. And they believe those goals now have all been met. $7 million is the bond.
1: Yes, one of the largest in South Carolina history.
0: And he's got to pay it all. Yeah. are not doing that 10% thing. We're going to take a quick break. The word from our sponsor, we're going to have Andrew Davis from WSAV TV station in Savannah. He has all the insight. He reported on Alex Bond hearing, and we will talk to him after we hear this about founders, Seton.
1: Looking for the perfect home for you and your family? Nervous about monthly payments? Don't be. With a mortgage from Founders Federal Credit Union, you'll get low rates up to 90% financing and pay no private mortgage
0: insurance. And for a limited time only, receive their discounted interest rate without paying the 1% fee. Nice. With many loan options to choose from, like first-time homebuyer, military mortgage, and 15, 20, and 30-year fixed rate options, as well as various adjustable rate options, you can choose the mortgage that fits your lifestyle and your budget.
1: Relax with the mortgage from Founders Federal Credit Union meet with one of the experienced mortgage loan officers at any of their more than 30 locations or apply now at foundersfcu.com backslash mortgage. Founders is a federally insured by NCUA and is an equal housing lender.
0: Additional terms and conditions apply. Not all loan types are eligible for promotional interest rates. Promotion ends on February 28, 2022. Institution NMLS ID number 410646 and we are now joined by Andrew Davis of uh, WSAV in Savannah who's been doing a great job reporting on the whole Murdoch mess and yesterday was able to report on Alec Murdoch's latest bond hearing. Hi Andrew.
2: Hi, how are you today?
0: We we are uh, well. Walk us through how it was weird because Alec was obviously maybe not to other people. He was not he was not in court. He was virtual. Uh, and how was the setup where you were? Give me the like the, the the visual of how people are in this room.
2: Well, I think everybody was in a virtual room. They did the entire thing virtual with the judge there. Uh, the lawyers were in one room. The uh, various others, you know, uh, the Satterfield lawyers were in another. And he was directly from the jail itself. So okay. it was quite interesting to see his demeanor. He obviously had a, you know, script of some sort in front of him, but he tried to speak on his own, uh, when he finally didn't make that speech out there right before, right after his lawyers made their statement on why they believed he should get bombed, and, and there were some moments where he was a little bit choked up, which you know, was interesting, certainly. I mean if he is, as he says, getting off opioids, then there would be a lot of emotions to it. but he tried to make his case, and the judge really wasn't listening to a lot of it or listened to it, but didn't believe a lot of what was coming out.
0: So what was his case? What did he say? And what was his demeanor, like his body language saying?
2: He was somewhat contrite in what he was saying. His statement was simple. He was addicted to opioids. And this is the first time he said in 20 years that he has been clean. He's been clean for 98 days, he claims. And that moment in September when he supposedly had uh, Curtis Eddie Smith come over to kill him for insurance money, as he claims, was one of the lowest points of his life that he was still detoxing that he was uh, still incredibly saddened over the loss of his wife and his son he said, and he doesn't feel the same way he feels he 's in a different place he said i'm exercising i 'm doing these things, and I want to continue my treatment, and I need to do that by being on the outside, not by being in jail and I am not that mental health issue that the previous judge had believed instead. Uh, his case was simple that he 's trying to make amends for it he 's trying to make retribution to all the people that are involved, which is what he and his lawyers have said from the beginning, and he's working on that, and the between he and his lawyers, they said, you know, the victims are small, and they are in those, those pods. He's not a threat to anyone else, is what he tried to claim, and that he doesn't have the money to run away, even if he could. He wants to go back to rehab and continue his treatment, is how he put it to the judge.
0: Now, he says he doesn't have money to Fly away, take off, escape, but yet he's also claiming, I think, that he's going to be able to pay back some of these people that he allegedly took advantage of, like the Satterfields, for instance. Didn't he say he was going to try to pay back the Satterfields?
2: The his lawyer said that they set up a, they've set up a specific claim that he's going to put out there that he's going to have in writing that he's going to pay them back four point three million dollars. And what you said, Matt, is the exact question I have. If he has no money, if he has no ability to flee because he is, quote unquote, broke, according to his attorneys, how is he paying everybody back? And how is he going to pay the Satterfields back with what money and where is that money coming from? And I think that's where uh, the judge made a good point, saying that he has friends and people on the outside who will help him. And she was concerned about that because he even said himself he's had an outpouring of support from the community in this case, which I found very interesting, but he's huh. got friends, he's got people who still support him. Yet the judge turned around and also, sa- uh, excuse me, the uh, the, att- the attorney general's turned around and said there have been people who involved in this case who have been threatened. Yeah. So it's a weird combination of the two where Alec claims he's getting support, yet some of the actual victims in this case are getting threatened by people who are still loyal to Alec in there.
1: Well, I thought it was interesting. They say that, you know, he- I don't necessarily saying he's going to pay them back. He's confessing judgment. So he's saying, yes, I took this money, but whether he's going to be able to pay it back is definitely to be determined. His lawyers say there's no way the $7 million bond that the judge gave him, that there's absolutely no way that he could pay that. It's almost like not having bond at all.
0: Take a little break and uh, get you ready for some traveling you've got coming up, some international trip where you want to be able to at least get around, right? So you want to learn the language of the country that you're going to. You want to experience it with a little bit of knowledge going in. And you can get a lot of bit of knowledge when you use Rosetta Stone. It's the most trusted language learning program. It's available on desktop. It can also be used as an app on your phone or tablet. And Rosetta Stone teaches through immersion instead of memorizing and drilling vocabulary words you learn by matching audio from native speakers to visuals you read stories you participate in dialogues so you are ready to go it's the most trusted time-tested app out there they've been the expert in language learning for 30 years buy rosetta stone now and you never have to pay a renewal fee don't put off learning that language there's no better time than right now to get started For a very limited time, Impact of Influence listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 40% off. That's 40% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 40% off at rosettastone.com backslash today. Right. Right. Were you surprised when they said $7 million and it was going to be, you have to pay it all?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I never believed that because even the attorney generals were only asking initially for $4.7 million. They wanted $100,000 per felony charge that he was facing. The judge was very strict with what she said and took it to another level because she just doesn't believe that he should die. You know, and what I took from it was she doesn't believe he should be out on the street without a strict set of circumstances, that he cannot leave the state, that he needs to go to rehab in the state, which is not what his lawyers wanted that he has to be on electronic monitoring and he has to surrender his passport, do the things he's previously done. This judge was very specific. She doesn't believe he should be out of state because she's afraid he could run. It would be harder to track him down than if he was there. So she's already stated if they can come up with $7 million and they have to come up with every penny of that, this is not a 10% bond situation, then he has to continue his rehabilitation within the state of South Carolina, not some outside spot.
0: What is your takeaway from anything that his main attorney, Dick Harpootlian, said? Was there anything that uh, Harpootlian said that jumped
2: out at you? I don't believe he's done anything but continued his same track of pushing the fact of that Alec was was an addict, that Alec has no money and no ability to flee right now, nor any desire to. He's been very specific with that. I don't think he's moved at all, and I, I don't know if it's really moved any of the judges so far. Every time he's gotten in court, uh, as, as someone said, he's, you know, he's gotten knocked down pretty quickly by these judges and various people. His message is not getting forward of this poor Alec moment, and I think that's very interesting that the, that the court itself is not really listening to poor Alec, but instead focusing on what he did and the victims that are out there.
1: So I noticed that he did kind of do some apologies. Did they come off as sincere?
2: Technically, he did not apologize. He said he felt worse. It seemed to me he felt worse for his own family and friends than he necessarily did for the victims themselves. I think he's willing to make amends from the level of, this is what I have to do to make this happen. They said all but two of the victims involved have been made whole, is the statement, and that one of the people cannot be found, The other one has a medical lien of some sort against them. So I think he's making amends from a court perspective, from a basic financial perspective. Whether he is truly apologizing to anyone, that is an interesting statement because the only people I heard him show real contrition towards and real sadness towards were his own family, his law partners, his brothers, people like that instead. I did not necessarily get this. I feel terrible for what happened to. The Satterfield family, or any of the other families involved,
1: I would read that he was choked up at points. Was that when he was talking about his family members?
2: Yes, the entire situation with the family members. He was he was more uh, more teary in that point when he was talking about that and how it affected his life, and especially, obviously, the deaths of his uh, his son and wife as well.
0: Do you think, or is it possible? I don't know if you've if you've talked to anybody about this. Can they appeal that bond number? Are they going to be able to say, hey, that's ridiculously high for a nonviolent offender?
2: Oh, absolutely. The judge gave them the opportunity to appeal, and uh, Dick Harputley immediately tried to appeal to her right on the spot by saying, this might as well be no bond. And she said, I'm not going to listen to that appeal right now, but you certainly can make that appeal if you have another situation that you believe can push forward that can make a difference for me. I think the mental health evaluation that he took previously is working against him that he was still depressed at the time that he still did have those issues there and i think she's looking for at least another mental health evaluation among other things before she would reconsider it right now it was a strong statement i was very surprised once they switched judge judges and the fact the attorney general's office did not try to deny him bond but instead they just wanted a high enough bond i thought that would go ahead and and play itself out but Instead, she made a real statement on this that if you have forty-seven, forty-eight charges right there, not to mention the ones of the false fault 911 call and everything else that are still hanging over his head, that maybe you shouldn't be walking around out of jail and you shouldn't be given your freedom right now.
1: Well, and I noticed that Harputlian also described a situation that happened in Lexington where a lawyer had swindled clients out of like $5 million and his bond was only set at 100,000.
2: Yeah, they were trying to say that because they didn't make restitution to those people as well. So that's what they were trying to use as their basis for some of their defense, saying he has the right to bond, which the judge agreed with. But (laughs) at the same point in time, she said she was concerned about the outside influences that he would have outside. And they tried to go, well, you know, these people didn't make restitution and their bond was lower. And uh, Judge Allen decided that she felt differently about the situation.
0: This has got to be Andrew Davis, of Savannah. This whole story, I know that you've been reporting from way, way back. Does it constantly amaze you that it keeps going on and on and in different levels and the onion keeps getting peeled back? Are you as stunned as we are at some of the twists and turns that have gone on?
2: Absolutely. I, I swear their day, you know, I say it's a day that ends in why odds are somebody else has filed a lawsuit or some other little moment has come up in this case. Because every time you think, well, nothing will be here for a few more days. Then something else happens, and if you're looking at the Anthony Cook lawsuit, who was on the boat with Mallory Beach, or Connor Cook's lawsuit, um, you know Mallory Beach's family who continued to fight to get you know get some money from the situation that happened there, and what they believe Alec did to try to hide the situation and try to keep his son out of jail. Uh, it it never seems to end. What we're all waiting for, and what I hear from everybody in the community is, we want to know what's going on with the murders specifically. Yes. When you're looking at Stephen Smith's case, when they reopen that case, even Gloria Satterfield's case, is there something to that on a criminal side that we don't know right now? And then, of course, Maggie and Paul Murdoch's murders. They want to know what's going on there because it's almost as they're focusing so much on the financial that the criminal side of things has gone by the wayside. And either that means they're having real trouble because of the location of where the murders happened for Maggie and Paul specifically and that Stephen Smith's case was so old or they're just keeping it really close to the vest until they get every possible piece of evidence. No one knows. And I think that's really the question that everybody's waiting for. They're tired of dollars and cents. They want somebody in handcuffs.
1: Yeah. I mean, it just, it's so surprising that it's been six months since Maggie and Paul have been murdered and there's been such little communication from SLED.
2: None.
0: You've worked with SLED a lot in different cases and SLED, I should point out to people from not from around the South Carolina parts, it's state law enforcement division, South Carolina, Are they always running their investigations like this? Like, you have to file Freedom of Information Acts to get things, you have to bug them to get any kind of statement, or is this unusually tight-lipped?
2: It's when you're working with any of them, SLED, or if it's GBI, George Bureau of Investigation, I've worked with both of them, and they are a little bit more tight-lipped from a state law enforcement perspective. Yet, at the same time, they're usually willing to offer something, and it feels like This has been the toughest thing ever to get any information out of. Always interesting, too, that in the midst of all this, their public information officer has now left as well. So they've switched that up in the middle of this investigation. Whether it has anything else to do with this investigation specifically, I won't know. I don't think anyone will know. But I found that very interesting that with everything that's happened, that has also turned on its edge. I my only guess is they're trying to keep it close to the vest because of the publicity involved with this, because the attorney general's office is involved and they want to make sure they have a lock solid case before they go with it. But I still think there's another call which says this happened in an incredibly rural area with, as far as we know, no camera possibilities or major, major areas where you could get a camera to try to find out any sort of evidence. And maybe it's just someone could very well get away with it. And it could be years and years, if ever, that we truly find out on that murder.
0: Andrew Davis, WSAV Savannah. Great to talk to you, my man. And uh, we will talk again soon, okay?
2: Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Mm -hmm. Bye Bye bye.
1: It was so great to have him on, considering this was not streamed live the way the other two bond hearings in front of Judge Newman were. So I was glad that we had someone who was actually. attended the virtual hearing and could give us his insight.
0: Because you're not allowed to do any recordings nope. of, of, the, uh, of the bond hearing. I also want to talk about when he mentioned all this money and the judge in her ruling mentioned that he has means, like he may have hidden his, some of his assets. I reached out to a former DEA agent, not going to use his name, but I asked him, can a person spend like $10 million or $20 million in opioids in 20 years? And he said, well, I'm not a doctor. However, my opinion, based on trends with opioids, would be highly unlikely to have a 20-year opioid addiction and run a normal life. You certainly could be a pot smoker and beer drinker covering up your addiction, but the impacts of opioid use for 20 years would catch up. I've never heard of an opioid addict spending a million dollars a year for 20 years for personal use opioids. Mm, that leads us to that question of, where is all this money?
1: Yeah, where is the money? I mean, we know about the missing money, but we still have no indication about where the money is.
0: And I just thought of this. This recent round of indictments was something along the lines of 6.2, somewhere around there, a million dollars. Way back when this first started, remember, his law firm was talking about possibly between ten and $20 million, right? And so that—there's some other money— somewhere. But yeah, like you said, where where's all the money? That is always going to be the big question. Again, thank you all. Uh, reach out to us. Where, Seton?
1: You can reach out to us on our Facebook page, which is Murdoch Podcasts, or also through our website, which is murdochpodcast.com.
0: Rate and share. And we are, again, so thankful for y'all for being here. And we will talk soon. <laughs>